Thank you for listening to the New Life Church podcast. If you need any information about our church or if you'd like to give online, please visit us at newlifekingman.com. I just want to uh, do a quick uh, reminder as you were coming in, uh, you got one of these flyers, uh, the uh, Invading the Impossible prayer ministry. And so we're trying to hand these out to everybody because, you know what, this morning I'm uh, convinced that every person in this room has a need. Amen. And you say, well, what is, what is that all about? What that means is, is, that, is that we know that you have a need and we want to be a part of helping you meet that need. Amen. And we believe the only way sometimes that we can get things done is through prayer. And so we have put together a prayer ministry team that will actually pray specifically for you. And so if you will fill out the back and just put it in the in the uh, offering box, then uh, you can check. Would you like a visit at home? Would you like to make an appointment? Would you like a phone call? And of course, there is an unspoken fourth one. Just pray. Amen. And we can do that. And we want to do that. And we want to be able to minister to you because we believe God answers prayer. Amen. Now, before, before I get into uh, uh, my message this morning, I want to share with you something that Kathy and I were talking last night, and, and uh, um, it hit me, and I thought, you know what, this is so relevant because it is so obvious that, that it, it bears uh, talking about for a moment. You know, when you talk about answered prayer and having prayers answered, so many times we uh, if we don't get exactly what we want, when we want, we tend to feel discouraged or challenged or we struggle with doubt and our faith kind of wavers a little bit and, you know, we kind of have these moments. And what I want to suggest to you today is that the Bible instructs us to trust God. Can you say amen? To trust him with all our heart. Because you know what? The, the thing about God is God always sees a bigger picture, doesn't he? It doesn't matter if it's, if, if it's about us individually, our family, our life, or if we're praying about the wider, greater things of our country and the world and all that God's doing. And I can guarantee you that God always sees a bigger picture. And Kathy and I were talking about this last night, and we were talking about answered prayer. And I want you to think about something. I want you to think about what's going on in our nation and, and quite frankly, around the world. Um, we prayed, you know, before the election. Amen. We are all praying and we're believing God because we knew we didn't want the radical left to get into power. Can you say amen? It's like, you know, and I'm not being political. Don't misunderstand me. Um, I just thought this was interesting. We didn't want that, you know, these very uh, strong policies that are anti-God and anti-Christian and all of that. We didn't want that. And so when, when the election results came in, we were quite discouraged because there all this, the controversy is, is it in a illegal election? Was there tampering? Was all those things? And, and then President Biden gets in and we wonder, where are we going to go? Oh, this is it. We're doomed. But let me, let me, let me show you something. Had, had the election go the way we want, the powers that be that are currently being exposed would not be being exposed. They would still be flying under the radar and still doing their thing blaming the right. 
but because God saw fit, said, look, I'm going to do something that's actually going to be better than what you came up with. I'm going to expose them because I'm in charge. It don't matter what goes on on this planet, God gets the last word. And somehow in the midst of it, what we're seeing now is we're seeing all of the different shenanigans and stuff like that, and we're seeing what's going on. How many know today that God has a purpose? God has a plan, God has a will, and that plan, that purpose, that will is going to be accomplished in the earth. You say, well, what is my job in that? Your job in that is to trust the Lord with all your heart and lean not to your own understanding. Say, you know what, God, right now, it looks dark to me. I don't understand it. I don't know what's going on in my life or my country. I don't understand it. But the thing that I know about you, God, is you are a good father. And you love me with an everlasting love. You loved me so much that you sent your only begotten son to die for me so that I could know you. And that alone tells me that you got my back. Can you say amen to that? You know what, and I, that's so powerful to me that, that, that when we, Kathy and I were talking about that last night, it really resonated with me because to be honest with you, that's, that's what a lot of what I'm preaching is about. Amen. We, we, what I'm preaching about is we're navigating through life and we are working this through and we are going on and, and, and we're fighting the enemy and we're doing these battles and all that's happening. And sometimes we wonder what in the world is going on because sometimes from our point of view, we just don't have enough information and so it looks quite dark. But I can guarantee you, you are squarely in the hand of God. And I can guarantee you, you win. Let me say that again. You win. I don't care what the bank book says. I don't care what the electric company does. I don't care what the gas pump says. I don't care what your car says. I don't care what anyone says. At the end of the day, God is a God of more than enough and you win. He is going to provide and he is going to make a way because our God is the God that causes water to flow in the desert. Our God is the God that causes bread to fall from heaven. Our God is the God that will make a way where there is absolutely no way because he is the way maker can you say amen so just encourage yourself today and say you know what God just admit it stop and go I don't get it that's okay it's okay not to get it and it's even okay to say I don't get it that is not doubt that's not question I just don't get it I don't get it that's okay and God says I'm good with you not getting it because I get it and it's kind of need to know. And when you need to know, you'll know. So what you need to know is trust me. And he says, trust me. And that's what we have to do. Now, I understand, and I'm, this, this sermon number one, this is completely free, no charge. I understand that when we are going through it, because I've gone through it, when we are going through it, it's a little harder to have that attitude. But that's why... When we are doing well, we have to make the decision that this is how I'm going to respond when the dark days of confusion or the dark days of not knowing come upon me. I am not going to respond to my lack of information. I'm going to respond to what I know about God. And my God is a good God. Can you say amen? 
So there you go. That's free. You get to keep that and you can do whatever you want with that. So turn in your Bibles, if you will, to the book of Ephesians. Book of Ephesians will be in chapter 6. Last week we began this uh, short series looking at spiritual warfare from a very different perspective. And the reason that we're doing this is because so many times we dive into spiritual warfare arrogantly believing we are going to be effective, only to become at best discouraged and at worst defeated. We, and we have to ask ourselves, church, why is this happening? Why is it that so many of us are ending up discouraged and defeating or defeated in the process of spiritual warfare when we have been given the victory, when we have been given these awesome weapons, this power of his name and his word, why are we still ending up discouraged and defeated? It's simply because we are unprepared for battle. Here is the truth of the matter, and I want you to listen to this. I know that I'm in my introduction, but really my introduction is point one, okay? I have, no, I have, I have eliminated introductions, so you are already into the sermon, okay? And so here's the truth of the matter. Spiritual warfare is not about individual battles we choose to engage in. Spiritual warfare is a way of life for the Christian, we, this morning, are in an epic battle with evil and with wicked forces that are bent on spreading, listen, deception. Listen why. Because it is the only weapon they have. You need, what, what does that mean? What is the underlying current or understanding of that? The devil is limited. The Bible tells us in John 8, 44, that the devil is the father of lies and there is no truth in him. But then the Bible goes on <coughs> to Ephesians chapter 6, verse 12. It says, for we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against principalities, against powers, against the rulers of darkness of this age, against spiritual hosts of wickedness in heavenly places. And over and over again, the Bible in various ways communicates to us that those spiritual powers are working to blind our minds from the truth. So here is the warfare. The weapon, the only weapon the devil has is the ability to deceive, and he's quite good at it, okay? Now, your warfare is not with your neighbor, your wife, your brother-in-law, your sister-in-law, your friend down the street, your boss, or any other human being. The war is with the powers and forces of darkness who have this weapon of deception, and their goal this morning is to blind your mind, and they do that, listen, by sowing thoughts that try to exalt themselves above God. There's only three places thoughts come from. They either come from God, you, or the devil. The devil is always wrong because he's lying. If he's talking, he's lying. I don't care if he's quoting scripture, look at it closely because he's got something wrong. 
Are you hearing what I'm saying? Or it's a wrong application of it. He's using it to manipulate you to a goal. God is always right. He always tells the truth. You, on the other hand, are up for grabs. It depends on what you're looking at that day. Tends, it depends on what you're giving way to. Can you say amen? And so what the Bible says is that the devil comes about sowing thoughts into our lives. He sows those thoughts. Now what does that mean? Not every thought that you think is yours. It could be God. It could be the devil. It could be you just eating bad pizza. That's why we need discernment. One of the weapons that we have is we have the truth of the Word of God, and through the truth of the Word of God, we hone our ability uh, to uh, uh, discern or to know what's good and what's evil. Are you hearing me? The Bible says this. He says in 2 Corinthians chapter 10, verse 5, now I need you to listen. It says, for the weapons of our warfare are not carnal, but they're mighty in God to pulling down strongholds, casting down arguments that, were, that literally could be imaginations and every high thing that exalts itself against the knowledge of God and bringing every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ. So what is that telling us? It's telling us we are equipped with weapons to pull down strongholds that have been built and made out of thoughts that are trying to exalt themselves above God, imaginations, arguments, and thoughts that try to build themselves up and try to blind us from the truth of the word of God and he says the way you bring them down is by bringing every thought not just one not just the ones the devil's running but every thought the thoughts that come from God the thoughts that come from you the thoughts that come from the devil you bring every thought into the captivity of the obedience of Christ what does that look like in the 21st century is that you take those thoughts and you measure them up against the truth of the word of God if they do not stand in the in the face of the truth of the word of God then you reject it wholeheartedly if you hear something like, God is mad at me, it, it, can't, it cannot be true. You say, well, doesn't God get mad? Yes, he does. But the last time he got really, really mad, he promised never to do that again, and he put a rainbow in the sky. We are living in the age of grace. We are living in a time where grace and mercy are being poured out, so God is not Petty. He's not in heaven. He's not a, 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 a four-year-old child that just because he doesn't get his way, he gets stomping around the throne room and going, I'm going to knock them out. That is not the picture of God. God is a good God. He's a loving father. He's not mad. Jesus, through his death and resurrection, took back the power and the authority that the devil gained in the Garden of Eden by deceiving Adam and Eve. And now the enemy of our soul is literally out of power and out of authority. And the only way that he can operate is through deceptive manipulation and to steal our power and our authority. 
See, when you buy into the lie, when you agree with the thought that's a lie, when you make agreement with it by believing it, you surrender to it. When you surrender to the lie, you push God out. When you surrender to God, you push the enemy out. When you make agreement with the lie, you now have put the devil in the driver's seat. And he now has your power and your authority. He literally takes your power and your authority and turns it on you. Therefore, the battle that we wage daily is not for victory over him. We already have that. It's the enforcement of that victory and the protection of what Jesus has already given us. Listen to me. We are the children of God, fully equipped, fully authorized, fully empowered to enforce the culture of the kingdom of God in our every day lives. And this is the battle we face. Yet so many are unprepared because they either are still fighting for victory, they're fighting to that rather than living from that, or they simply do not understand who they are or what they have in their arsenal. Last week we said to prepare for battle we must first submit ourselves to God. Literally what we said is we are to come under the influence of God's mighty hand, completely surrendered to him. And then we are to resist the devil in every way. And the Bible promises that he will flee. But here's what we must understand. Without surrender, there can be no resistance. So this morning we're going to move on to yet another principle of this warfare that we must understand. Look at Ephesians 6, verse 10. Finally, my brethren, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. I'm going to read it from the Amplified Version. It says, in conclusion, be strong in the Lord and in the power of his might. Be empowered through your union with him. Draw your strength from him, that strength which his boundless might provides. Paul admonishes the church in Ephesus to be strong in the Lord, and he tells them that the enemy will do whatever he can to stop you from walking in that strength. Because the devil knows that if you are weak, discouraged, depressed, stressed out, you will not do much for the Lord, and your life will be miserable. So instead of enjoying the abundant life, instead of overcoming and walking in victory and strength, you'll live a defeated lifestyle. Listen carefully to me this morning. Your strength doesn't come from circumstance. Your strength is not through your willpower. Your strength comes from the power of his might. Look at 2 Peter chapter 1, verses 1 through 4. Simon Peter, a bondservant of the apostle Jesus Christ, 
an apostle of Jesus Christ, to those who have obtained like precious faith with us by the righteousness of our God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Grace and peace be multiplied to you in the knowledge of God and of Jesus our Lord. As his divine power has given to us all things, pay attention, his divine power has given to us all things that pertain to life and godliness through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue, by which we have been given to us exceedingly great and precious promises, that through these we may be partakers of the divine nature, having escaped the corruption that is in the world through lust. Listen to that. What is he saying? He says, through this divine power, God has given us all things, not just for our spiritual life, but for this physical life as well. All things. His divine power has given you everything you need, and it's through the knowledge of him who called us by glory and virtue. And he goes on and he says, all of this results in this understanding that we have exceedingly great and precious promises, that we, by these, through these, we might be partakers of the divine nature. In other words, we have been set up to win. We have been set up. We've been first. First and foremost, you're given the victory. It's already yours. You got the trophy. It's yours. You won. You got the ribbon. You, you weren't even in the race, and you won. And then on top of it, he says, now that I've given you the victory, to assure that you live from that place of victory, through my divine power, I'm going to give you everything that pertains to life and godliness, and I am going to back it up by these great and precious promises. That's what we have. Now look at Ephesians chapter 3, verses 14 through 21. He says, for this reason I bow my knees to the Father of our Lord Jesus Christ, from whom the whole family in heaven and earth is named, that he would grant you according to the riches of his glory, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, to be strengthened with might, to be strengthened with might through his spirit in the inner man, that Christ may dwell in your hearts through faith, that you being rooted and grounded in love may be able to comprehend with all saints what is the width and length and depth and height to know the love of Christ which passes knowledge, that you being filled with all the fullness of God, now to him who is able to do exceedingly abundantly above all that we think or ask. Now listen, here is the key phrase, according to the power that works in us, to him be the glory in the church by Christ Jesus to all generations forever and ever. Amen. Now here's the thing, I want you to pay attention to this verse, verse 20 in Ephesians 3, it says, now to him who is able to carry out his purpose and do, this is from the Amplified, and to do super abundantly more than all that we dare or ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes or dreams, according to his power that is at work within us. Now this is the thing, God says all that he is doing is according to the power that is already at work in you. Now, here's the thing. The phrase that we must, pay, we must pay attention to, this is why I love word studies. 
according to his power that is at work within us. This is the key phrase. God is telling us that his answer to our prayers are always super abundantly above what we can imagine (coughs) or dare to believe. Why? It's not according to our ability or power, but it's according to his power that is at work right now in us. Now that word according is an interesting word. In the Greek, the Greek word for according literally means this. It indicates motion, something moving or coming down from a higher position to a lower one. That's one thing. But the English word is fundamentally more amazing. The word according literally means on the authority of, in agreement with, in harmony with, in obedience to, in in fulfillment of, proportional to, relative to, and dependent on. So if we were to read that verse in John's version, it would say this, now to him who is able to carry out his purposes and do superabundantly more than all that we dare ask or think, infinitely beyond our greatest prayers, hopes, and dreams, on the authority of, in agreement with, in harmony with, in obedience to, in fulfillment of, proportional to, relative to, and dependent on his power that is at work within us. Your prayer is answered proportionally to the power that is at work in you. Your prayer is answered in fulfillment to the power that's at work in you. It's in harmony with the power that's in you. It's in agreement with the power of God that already works inside of you. And it is on the authority of that power that is at work inside of you. Can you say amen? Amen. Do not allow circumstances to steal your joy, your hope, or your faith, or your strength. But strengthen yourself in the Lord your God, knowing that it is his power that is at work in you. Now let me just take a segue here, a little bunny trail, if I will, if you'll permit permit me. That is a choice. This is what I find. You know what's useful about living life and paying attention to the life you live? you get really good information for sermons. Because I'm living life. And I'm not so different than you. And I struggle. I'll be honest with you. There are some days where I don't feel, I don't feel there's enough power inside of me to blow the dust off a statue. There's not enough power in me to do anything. Somehow inside of me, my feeling, my natural man is not recognizing at that moment that power. I could tell you when you're under the anointing, you can feel it. 
people have asked me before, they said, what is it like to be anointed? What does that feel like? I, to be honest, it's, it's so, it's so uh, ethereal, it's hard to put in words. All I can know, all I know is that when I get up in this pulpit, I am generally by nature timid and cautious. But when I get into this pulpit under the anointing, I feel like I could stand on this thing and jump out there and take everyone on. There's a confidence that comes. There's a power. But I don't always feel that. Sometimes I shrink back. Sometimes I just want to hide in my cave. Leave me alone. I don't have enough power to even believe for cereal. So what do you do when you feel like that? What happens? When are you, what? That's the whole point about submitting under God. You come under the influence. You don't go by what these thoughts are coming in your mind. Because see, that's the thought. The thought is convincing you that there's no power. Yeah, yeah, oh, that Bible, you know, that's just, that was written by man. And, you know, they, they were really good. You know, it's, it's not really. And after all, it's been interpreted 6,000 times. And, you know, and, and then there's the authorized version because there's only the King James, you know, Jesus talked and these and thousand. And it's so stupid. If you read an English Bible, it's a translation. It, well, they, they didn't speak English in the first century church. I don't even know what they sp- spoke. Italian? I don't know. Rome? Greek? I don't know. I don't know what they spoke. But they spoke something other than English. And the devil comes in and he mixes our mind. That's when you submit yourself under him. And you say, I am not going to believe this. Because yesterday, when I was standing behind that pulpit, I was empowered. And that is what's really inside me. And now what I'm going to do, that I'm submitted to God, I'm going to resist that thought. In spite of what I feel, in spite of what I think, even in spite of the evidence in front of me, I will not yield. I will not bend. I don't care what I see. What I see is temporary. What I do not see is eternal. And that is what I'm going to trust. And I'm going to trust God. And so what I do in that moment is I say, nope, my circumstance is not going to inform me. It's not going to steal my joy, my hope, my faith, my strength. But I'm going to submit myself to God for I am empowered by him. So how do we walk daily in the dynamic of being strong in the Lord and the power of his might? The the simple truth is this. We do it by faith. We do it by bringing God and the promises in his word to bear on the issues in front of us. That's what we do. The Apostle Paul in his letter to the Galatians tells us exactly how to engage in this power. Galatians chapter three, verses five and six, he says, therefore, he who supplies the spirit to you and works miracles among you, does he do it by the works of the law or in other words, by your effort or by the hearing of faith? 
Just as Abraham believed God and it was accounted to him for righteousness. The Moffat translation says it this way. When he supplies you with the spirit and works miracles among you, is it because you do what the law commands or because you believe the gospel message? No, it is as, it is as with Abraham, he had faith. In this passage, God tells us that he pours out his power not because of some form of performance on our part, but in response to faith, to the promises of his power in his word. In fact, God's way of doing everything is by making promises and then fulfilling them wherever they produce faith. He says, says, it is with us just as it was with Abraham. So how was Abraham? Look at Romans chapter 4, 19 through 21. And being not weak in faith, he did not consider his own body already dead since he was about 100 years old and the deadness of Sarah's womb. He did not waver at the promises of God through unbelief, but was strengthened in faith, giving glory to God and being fully convinced that what he had promised he was also able to perform. He simply believed the word of God. He had faith that God would do exactly what he promised. He was fully persuaded by the word of God alone. He held fast to the beginning of his confidence when his faith was tested. He was wholly occupied with the word of God in the matter. He refused to cast away his confidence considering not his own body, or the fact that he was a hundred years old, he did not look at the deadness of Sarah's womb as any barrier or any reason for doubting that Isaac would be born. All these things which, according to nature, made the birth of Isaac impossible were not considered by Abraham at the slightest reason, as the slightest reason for doubting. He knew his age, He didn't deny his age. He recognized the barrenness of Sarah. He didn't deny that. He weighed the difficulties, but in spite of the impossible, he believed God. He stood in faith. And the result is the power of God was released. As I was studying this, I was, yesterday was quite a confusing day. So why is that? Well, I tried to, I I had worked on my sermon through the week, but didn't get done. And then yesterday morning, I got up and I was lazy. I know that's shocking. But it was almost noon before I got back to my sermon. And I thought, oh, I'll whip this out, no problem. Well, that's how it went. Well, by 3 o'clock, all four grandchildren were at our house. And all three children and their spouses were gone. And four of the grandchildren are babies. So, or two of the grandchildren are babies. The other two are older. And so we were there, and Kathy is a trooper. And so I'm thinking, dear God, what am I going to do? i got to write this sermon. It's confusing. And so I'm studying. I got the door closed, and 
I'm, I'm just, I'm trying, I'm trying to make sense of things and I'm studying words and going to commentaries and I'm going back and forth and this is, and I stumbled over something. I stumbled over this video. It was a little one minute and 23 second video of Pastor Tony Evans. And I clicked on it and I thought, well, this has got to be interesting. And what he said was just too good to not repeat. So I'm going to tell you, he says, in the rooms around our sanctuary, we had installed motion detector lighting. People were leaving the lights on and it was costing us too much in electric bills. We had to do something. So motion detectors were our only option. If you don't know what they are, when you walk in the room, the lights come on and when you leave the room, the lights go off. Pretty simple. Here's the thing I noticed, he says. There is always power in the room. There is always the potential for light in the same room. But neither the power or the light will manifest until it detects movement. If there is no movement, that doesn't mean there's no power or hope for light. It means you haven't given it any motion. You haven't triggered it yet. He goes, listen, God is real. God has power. God makes promises but you won't see them until he sees motion. If there is no motion, it lies dormant, although it is really, really there. Faith is acting like it is so, even when it is not so, in order that it might be so, because God said so. I thought, that is cool, man. Now. If you know who Tony Evans is, you know he did a much more brilliant job at expressing that than I did. But it's still true. Faith is belief in motion. That's what it is. I believe something, therefore I act upon it. The moment I engage in action about what I believe, I walk into faith and the motion detector turns on the power. It's as simple as that. Now that we've established, and I'm bringing this to a close, <coughs> actually, Jason can come if he'd like. Now that we've established that power comes in response to faith, there is also an underlying principle that is at work in the development of faith in our lives. We know the Bible tells us that God gives every man the measure of faith, the disciples even one day ask God or Jesus to increase their faith. And Jesus responds with basically this, a little bit goes a long way. So what's the point? Faith is a lifestyle we must learn to grow in and mature in. Are you hearing me? Faith is a spiritual muscle that must be developed. Spiritual maturity is the key in all of this. It's where we are becoming more like Jesus. And once we are saved, we enter into the process of spiritual growth with the intent to become more spiritually mature. And it requires radical reordering of our priorities. Changing over from a pleasing self to pleasing God and learning to obey God. The key to maturity this morning is consistency, perseverance, and doing the things we know will bring us closer to God. And it's in this maturity where we find more and more power 
and the authority released in our lives. And it's also in this maturity that we begin to understand what's meant by the concepts of power and authority. In Luke chapter 10, verse 19, Jesus speaks to the disciples and ultimately to us, and he says, I've given you authority over all the power of the enemy. Many don't realize that in order to exercise power, we must first have the authority to do so. Now listen, this is what I want to say to you. Authority is the precursor or the prerequisite of power. You can't release power unless you have the authority to do so. And when you mature spiritually, you are able to access new realms of spiritual power because spiritual maturity grants you access that you wouldn't have otherwise. This is why you, this is, you say, well, how do you know that's true? Can, can, you, can you prove that to me? Yeah, Galatians 4, 1 through 2. He says, think of it this way. If a father dies and leaves an inheritance for his young children, those children are not much better off than the slaves until they grow up. Even though they actually own everything their father had, they have to obey their guardian until they reach whatever age their father is set. See, church, there's no doubt that everything that God has has been given to you. But you not, may not have access to everything God has given to you because you don't have the maturity to handle it. I always put it in terms like this, you know, in, in, you know and especially Andy. Andy really has an appreciation for guns. He likes guns. He goes target shooting. He's good at it. He knows a lot about it. And so he's been teaching Oliver how to shoot. And Oliver's seven. But not, there won't be a time right now while he's seven where Oliver will have independent control of that gun. Why? Because there's power in that gun that Oliver doesn't have the ballast of maturity yet to handle. So Andy has to be with him. He's, he's there. And, and so when Oliver shoots and, and does those things and practices and, and learns about it, his dad is with him. And there has to be a growth. The problem is we're expecting God to pour out the power of the kingdom of God as if it was an unlimited dispenser when we are walking in mature, in, into immaturity. If God did that, we'd destroy the planet. There has to be a maturity. Spiritual maturity gives you access or literally the divine right to what already belongs to you. If you're not seeing God's power working in your everyday life, I would challenge you to consider where are you at in the spiritual maturing process. In Colossians, last, for, last passage, listen to this. Colossians chapter 9 through 14. For this reason, we also, since the day we heard it, do not cease to pray for you to ask that, and to ask that you may be filled with the knowledge of his will in all wisdom and spiritual understanding, that you may walk worthy of the Lord, fully pleasing him, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God. Do you notice how there is a progression in this? 
Do you notice how what he's saying is we're asking you to be filled with knowledge and spiritual wisdom and understanding that you walk worthy. In other words, there is a, a successful walk, fully pleasing, being fruitful in every good work, increasing. There's a growth process. There's a maturing that is the underlying part of this scripture. Then he says, strengthened with all might. Notice the tenor of the scripture changes after there's growth. Strengthened with all might according to his, here's that word according, by authorization to his glorious power for all patience and long suffering with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in the light. He has delivered us from the power of darkness and conveyed us into the kingdom of, his, of the Son of his love in whom we have redemption through his blood, the forgiveness of sins. Our Father is a good Father. He will not give us more than we have the maturity to handle. I'm not saying that prayers can't be answered. They can. I've seen new converts have miraculous moments. But those moments are really guided and, and, and overwatched by the power and the grace of God. I'm talking about lifestyle. I'm talking about changing and influencing the world around you, walking in the power that is inherent in your life, according to the power that's in you, that it's at work in you. We have to grow into that, church. The release of power, supernatural power, is directly proportional to the depth of faith and spiritual maturity that we are walking in. This is what spiritual warfare, this is the preparation of what we're talking about. This will change your life. Does that make sense this morning? Praise God. Why don't you bow your heads with me? Father, we come before you right now in Jesus' name, and we thank you so much, God, for the revelation of your word. We thank you that you instruct us in the ways of righteousness. You teach us how to live from that position of righteousness. We give you the glory and the honor, Father, and we thank you. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. And you know, church, what I want you to do right now, just as we're finishing up here, I just want you to ask yourself and, and, and come to that place in your heart. Say, you know, where am I at in my walk with God? Where Am I really allowing God to mature me? Am I literally walking in that place of maturity? Am I growing in my faith? Am I exercising my faith and growing in my spiritual life? You know, we want the power of God. We want to see him move, but we have to be, we have to be growing. Make a commitment this morning. Say, God, I'm going to grow. I'm going I'm to really begin to grow. I'm really going to pay attention because I know you want to equip me. I know you want to release what you've already put in me that God may move. Father, we thank you, God, for everyone that's in this place. We thank you for your goodness and your grace. And we give you all the glory and honor. In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask the ministry team if they would come up. As you know, we always have the ministry team come up for those that need prayer. If you have a need for prayer of anything, would you come up and would you find your way up here and let them pray for you? We're going to let you go today. God bless you. We'll see you next week, and next week we'll have 
the last in the series, part three. And I guarantee you, you want to hear this. God bless you. Have a great afternoon. Thank you for listening to the New Life Kingman podcast. We can't wait to see you next week.